everyone, welcome on into the final episode, How to Become a Master of Performing Under Pressure. I am Colin, and here with me is Natalie. With this final episode, we have certainly gone through a lot of information. Natalie and I were just kind of recapping that before we hit record here. And what we'd like to do for this final episode, the original intent and what we, I think, came to an agreement is we want to leave this series and especially this episode with a definitive answer to how you become a master of performing under pressure. And because there was so much information in those previous five episodes, and I'll say right now, please go back and listen to those episodes. If you haven't already listened, if you're a first time listener to the podcast, and this happens to be the episode that you stumble on, we are about to go through highlights but they are just the highlights. So think about it, watching SportsCenter, just seeing the good stuff. There's some more difficult or more uh, nuanced material to get through in all the other episodes. And so we encourage you to go back and get that details and get those details, excuse me. But at the very least, if you listen to one episode of this series, this is probably a good one because you're going to get a lot of quick hit information here. And with that being said, Natalie and I, We're going to dive in and we're going to give highlights for each episode. We picked one of our favorites and really, at least for me, Natalie, it was a difficult exercise to do because picking one out of everything that we've said and talked about was pretty difficult, but we've narrowed it down to one each. And I'm going to let Natalie take the lead for episode one and give us her highlight. And then I will jump in and give my highlight and we'll keep doing that through every episode and we'll move on to the next segment after that. So Natalie... Why don't you kick us off here? Yes. So we're starting off with episode one and the highlight I kind of chose is that pressure is important for so many aspects of our performance as athletes. And this kind of goes along with us trying to break the stereotype that's associated with pressure and making it a positive thing rather than a negative thing. And when we talk to student athletes, a lot of people mention that Pressure is important to help our bodies and our minds determine when we need to perform. So for example, without pressure, we wouldn't be able to recognize that I really need to score this goal or I really need to hit this ball. And pressure ultimately helps us narrow in our focus on what we need to do when the task at hand. And the other thing that I find super interesting is that pressure kind of has this aspect of discipline to it. So and encourages athletes to work hard to achieve what they want to. And without pressure, you wouldn't really feel rushed with a certain timeline to meet these goals, or you wouldn't think that it's that important, but because of pressure, it adds a whole nother layer of wanting to achieve your goals and performing the way that you want to. And lastly, which we'll probably say a lot of times in this episode, and we've said it plenty of times throughout the series, is that pressure can be seen as a privilege. And If you are in a situation where you feel pressure, you were trusted to be placed in that situation. And ultimately this pressure is what helps our body shift into a higher gear and perform and elevate what you're doing and make the stakes a little bit higher. But when the risk is higher, the reward's higher. So pressure kind of offers that for athletes. Thank you, Natalie, for kicking us off in a positive (laughs) mindset. (laughs) with pressure (laughs) because as I think both you and I have realized that there have been certain points throughout the series where even though our intention all along has been to put that positive spin on pressure a it could seem like 
or telling people to live their lives under pressure all the time, which we don't want. Yes. And B, we're saying that pressure you know, comes from all these really difficult or hard moments and everything. So I just appreciate you setting us off on the right foot here. My highlight for the first episode is that for a lot of us, pressure comes more from internal feelings than it does due to tactical things and moments. And this actually came, Natalie, from something you were talking about when you were telling us a little bit about where your pressures come from, where you feel pressure on the field, in the classroom, in your life. And, um, you know, I have written here in my notes, you know, you're worried about family, friends, coaches, teammates, and that puts a shadow, at least in the way that I heard it from you over the pressures of the game situation. So we're talking about like two different pressures here and it adds up into this one big you know, messy thing that this is why it's really difficult to master. And so I think it makes it really uneasy when all of these additional pressures come into play. It makes it so that competing is no longer fun. Or the game that you're playing is no longer fun. And that's why every episode <laughs> we're com- we've come up with some common themes here. Every episode we come back to preparation and why that's so important because it leads to confidence and that is probably the most important aspect to becoming a master of performing under pressure. When you're prepared, you're confident, you perform well. Seems like a pretty simple formula, but we all know it's not that easy, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. If it was, that would be great, but unfortunately it's not. And kind of moving along to episode two, um, we talked a lot about mental health versus mental toughness. And We are not saying that you cannot be mentally healthy if you are not mentally tough, but we are saying that mental health kind of is the foundation for mental toughness. So you can't really be successful as an athlete if you don't have good mental health first. And when you feel yourself struggling, it is important to be able to differentiate if this is a feeling that will last during this small moment or continue on. So for example, if you're being pushed through a run that's super hard and you're saying, oh, this run is not good for my mental health. Think about, are you going to feel that way once the run is over? Really, there's a difference between mental toughness being something that you have to push through and mental health being something that you need to cope with and seek help for. So mental toughness is definitely something where in those moments you can be like, all right, I just got to get through this last lap, or I just got to push through these last five minutes of the game. But Mental health is something completely different that you should seek help for, um, consult your resources, your teammates, your coaches, other resources or counselors that you may have on campus. So we just want to be very clear that there is a difference between mental toughness and mental health and mental health does need to be taken seriously. But that's not to say that you can't be mentally tough and you can push through these moments. So there's a clear distinction that we both want to make definitely clear to our listeners. Yeah. And I'll just cap this off because we both had the same highlight for this episode, did the exercise separately. So it's not like we were (laughs) passing notes along or anything like that, but what I'll add to it. So the mental toughness piece, what Natalie was talking about, that helps us perform well under pressure. That's why it's so important, but you can't be 
as she talked about, mentally tough if you're not already in a good mental state, mentally healthy, however you want to put it. And so taking care of our mental health on a day-to-day basis, like that's going to, that's going to help us keep our internal pressures, those things that we talked about somewhat in episode one and got into more detail episode two, we'll be able to keep those pressures more intact and that'll help it so that we're not being derailed from becoming masters of performing under pressure. And so that's a very difficult episode to practice um, because most of us don't want to practice our mental health, but if you want to take a step there, go back to episode two. There's a lot of really good info. Yes, absolutely. And I think it is important to say that all of this is worth having conversations about on your team, with your coaches, on your campus. And if you're having a hard time distinguishing, like, is this something that I can push through? Is this a mental toughness learning opportunity? Or is this something that I need to seek further help for? There are resources to answer that question for you if you're having a hard time distinguishing between them. So definitely reach out to people if you're listening right now and thinking this is something that I've definitely gone through. And moving on to episode three, we were talking about external pressures. And I really was fascinated researching how social media and the new NIL rules relate to pressure. And I think it's obvious if you're an athlete and if you're on social media that athletes are supposed to look or act a certain way. And I definitely fell into this a little bit when I first became a college athlete my freshman year. I was like, okay, I'm officially a college athlete. This is how I need to post on Instagram, or this is how I need to look to my followers and to the public world. And as I've matured and grown and learned that being a student athlete can look so many different ways, I've found that something that's been helpful to me is following accounts that challenge the stereotype. So whether that be with body types or personality or looks or beliefs and finding different accounts or social media platforms that do challenge this stereotype of being a social, being a student athlete on social media. And I think too, there really is no need to make everything public. I think we live in a world where like pics or it didn't happen. That's what everyone says. So that really doesn't exist. Like it is okay to not make all these things you're going through public or posting your achievements or posting your downfalls. And there really is no need to do that unless you are comfortable with it. And if that is something that helps you or something you are comfortable with, that's also great, but there doesn't need to be this pressure to share what you're going through with the public world. And Colin and I talked a little bit about boundaries with social media and just with like phones in general. And the value of taking breaks, even if that means locking your phone somewhere in a drawer so you can actually relax. Because even when you are scrolling through social media, your brain is constantly stimulated. So it's important to give yourself a rest. If you're going from practice where you're feeling that pressure to then going and laying in your bed on your phone, feeling this pressure from the outside world that you may not even be aware of. It's just important to take a step back or designate a couple hours during the day where you're like, I'm not looking at my phone. If someone needs me, they'll call me. Or if you're on campus, they'll come get me. Um, So just really being able to take those breaks for yourself is super valuable to truly relax. Yeah, I love it. 
great reminder to <laughs> shut the phone off or put it away or just get rid of it for a minute and go outside, touch the ground, feel yeah. the air, breathe it in. Yes. Yeah, much easier said than done. But <laughs> my, my takeaway and highlight from episode three, so we're talking external pressures and I came to the conclusion that they're way less controllable, like from an individual or even a team standpoint, but they can be so much more de yeah, detrimental and destructive uh, at, at the same time. And so this is why in episode two, when we talked about, you know, if you're super, super mentally healthy, um, but you get into a situation that you've never been in before, it's going to throw you off. But how much it throws you off is probably in how prepared you are for it right like we can we can at least for i mean there's extreme scenarios out there i'm sure like a, a global pandemic but for the most part you can prepare for some of these things that are a little bit off and and whatnot but in general external pressures they're way less predictable way less unknown that's just how it is so it I think that's why it's so important that we tackle as many of the internal pressures as possible, because then we at least stand a chance to combat what we don't know. And yeah, if, if that doesn't motivate you to want to work on those internal pressures and work on your mental health and everything else that's associated with it, I don't know what's going to motivate you, but <laughs> maybe I put a little scare into people there. <laughs> yes. And I think like external pressure is just, it's an uncontrollable thing, but the most we can find control in those situations, that's what's going to be valuable to help cope with it. And moving along to episode four, we heard from some amazing coaches. And I think aside from what they said individually, the biggest takeaway for me is that our coaches are resources and coaches ultimately want you to succeed And no response was a coach saying, I put my athletes under pressure because I want to see them fail. Or I put my athletes in these terrible situations because I hate them. Like, <laughs> it's really because they want you to succeed and they want you to be the best human athlete person that you can be. And I think in order to make that clear is it's important to be able to have these conversations with your coaches. So like understanding what pressure is right for you, when it is too much, why it may be too much. If you're struggling with something else in your life, letting your coach know they can adjust how they're putting that pressure on you during practice. And lots of coaches would rather know this information than not and know how to effectively challenge you to the point where it's not breaking you down, but it's building you up. And creating an open conversation about these things can be super, super valuable and can help in terms of mental health as well as being open and honest about your wants and needs. So if you come to your coach and say, listen, the way you're motivating me or putting pressure on me right now is actually really hurting my confidence. I think if you did it this way, X, Y, Z, I would definitely grow as an athlete. I'm sure that coaches would be receptive to that and want you to succeed. So they would make those changes. And along with having those conversations with coaches, it's also important in creating an open culture with your teammates to talk about pressure. And something that I love about my team is we're all super close and we all do have these conversations, but a lot of times it is scary to 
talk about your weaknesses or your vulnerability against the people you're competing for position for, even though they may be your best friends at the end of the day, we are teammates and we're all competing. And I think it is important to create this open culture to be like, Hey, like was what coach did today a little bit weird, a little bit too much in terms of the pressure they were putting on us and just kind of validating your feelings. And I'm sure someone else on your team is having these same thoughts going through the same thing. So just being the catalyst and creating those conversations can be super helpful and can really transform your team culture. Absolutely. Great highlight. And I cheated a little bit for episode (laughs) four. (laughs) I picked two highlights, but one's really just more of a reminder to people that if you go to episode four, or if you're listening to this episode six in the show notes is the shareable link that Natalie has already tested. It works. I will remember to put this in when I'm editing. There's a shareable link to all of the information that the coaches gave us for episode four. And so you can get it in episode four. You can get it in this episode. That's my first highlight. Don't forget about that. Really great info. My actual highlight though, is that pressure should be applied in doses and at the appropriate time. And I think Natalie was starting to hint at this, what she was talking about and having conversations and saying like, did we go too far? Did they go too far? You know, whatever it is. Um, But what I want to say and make it very clear again, like I said in the beginning of this episode, is that me and Natalie are not saying that pressure is something you do 100% of the time. Um, And I was reminded of that in episode four. And so maybe it took me four episodes to get there, but hopefully I've done a better job these final three episodes saying that. And I appreciate Coach Roach for pointing that out. Um, and that, you know, the, again, the coach's link, that's invaluable stuff. Take a look at that. Um, I find myself looking at it uh, pretty often because the Google link's easily accessible, but um, don't put that pressure on all the time. You will run your team into the ground. You will burn them out. They'll quit. They'll, they'll resent you, whatever it is, uh, do it in doses and at appropriate times. Yes, absolutely. And I think too, is that like coaches insights and takeaways are super important. So reading these responses will be super valuable to you, whether you're just a listener or an athlete or a coach. So even if you think you're not going to get anything out of those responses, go ahead and take a look. And I promise you'll find something that resonates with you. And moving along to episode five, the last episode we have, um, I've said it many times, I'm gonna like bring it home right now, but pressure can be a good thing. And most of the times it is a good thing. And you do not necessarily need to be a master to be able to reap the benefits of pressure. So I consider myself like, I'm probably halfway there and I've been doing this podcast series, putting in all this time and work to try to figure out what the key is. And I'm not even there yet. So there is no pressure. There is no timeline to when all of this should be happening. And it's not going to be like, all right, one game you get there and you're not nervous anymore and you're having fun. And you're, when you feel that pressure, you're like, all right, let's go. I'm excited. This is firing me up. There's really never going to be that aha moment. You're going to notice it in kind of small doses. And I have definitely had that experience this summer, but use it to your advantage and enjoy the sweaty palms and the elevated heartbeat. And at the end of the day, like all it is, is a game. And all we're doing is hitting a ball with a stick and like 
when you really boil it down to that, that's honestly been the biggest help for me is I put all this pressure on myself. And at the end of the day, like we're all just humans and we're all just trying to make it work. And there's 7 billion of us on this planet. And what I'm doing may seem like the end of the world, but I promise you it is not. So be able to find that perspective and be able to know that at the end of the day, like all it is, is a game. You're just trying to do your best for yourself, for your teammates, for your coaches. And there's no timeline to fit that. So pressure is a good thing. It really is. But just remember that it's not the end of the world. Yeah. I love that frame again. Thank you for that. And my highlight is that I took from that quote you gave from one of your favorite books, Natalie, under pressure will be either 15% worse or 15% better. And it's much easier to fall under that bucket of 15% worse. Um, but it's, it, it'll be easier. It'll become much more consistent to fall into the other bucket the 15% better when you are prepared. However, you can prepare and still fail. Um, so, you know, think of how amazing it would feel to be on the positive side of the 15% and, and think of the advantage <laughs> that you would have over your opponents when we know that most people are going to end up on the other side. If you're on the positive side, that's a huge advantage. And that's why we wanted to do this series. We wanted to understand personally, Natalie and I, how to become masters of performing under pressure, but we wanted to share with everyone else too. And we want you to be able to be 15% better under pressure. And I think before we move on to our second segment, if somebody is looking for a singular answer, and Natalie, you had even said like the key to becoming a master of performing under pressure. In conclusion from me, I don't think that exists. I think there's a reason that when we put this all together, we decided that there were going to be different episodes and different aspects that we needed to cover and why we're doing a highlight reel right now of those episodes. There's a lot of different moving pieces and you personally, you the listener need to decide which of those pieces you need to work on in order to become a master of performing under pressure. So unfortunately, I believe at least there's no one size fits all answer to all this. How about you, Natalie? I feel the exact same way. And trust me, it would be a lot easier if it was a one size fits all answer. I would be super psyched if that was the case, but I agree. It doesn't exist. And I think everything is going to resonate with people differently. So take what you want from this podcast and leave what you don't. Some of these things you'll probably be like, Oh, I've never experienced that. Or some of these things will be like, that really hits home. Tune into those things that really hit home and take what you want from this. And I think too, like even just listening to this podcast, you're one step closer just by being aware that you are struggling to become a master of performing under pressure. They always say like, admitting it is the first step. And obviously like, that's true. If you know that you're listening to this podcast, it's probably for a reason. And that's the first step is becoming aware of your weaknesses and what you can build on. So congrats if you're listening because you're already doing all the right things. But at the end of the day, this is a work in progress and it's going to be continuous and it's not going to be a linear pro process either. Some days you'll probably feel great with this. The next week you could feel like I am just completely failing under pressure, but see it out, stick it, stick through it. And like, you will get there. And if you don't become a true master, you will definitely improve. So 
be proud of yourself, celebrate those small successes. And if we do get a one size fits all answer, we'll let you know, but I don't, I don't think that's coming anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We'll come back with a very special episode. It'll be like one minute long. We'll give the answer and we'll be done. That's it. Mike. (laughs) Yep. All Uh, right. (laughs) let's let's move on then to our second segment here what we wanted to do is leave everybody with a drill or practice exercise however you want to classify it to get better at becoming a master of performing under pressure so natalie i'm gonna let you kick this off too i think you have a great one what's your exercise for us to get better here yes so the exercise that i chose is visualization and I was not a true believer in this until about last year. And people would always say like, visualize yourself doing the right things before the game and visualize yourself making that play or receiving that ball. And I was like, I just don't really see how what I'm dreaming up in my head is really going to translate to what I'm doing on the field. And I finally cracked it and figured it out. And it's that it can help you prep for the unknown. So in a game, there's a couple constants that you're going to have. One, you're going to be on the field. Two, your teammates are going to be around you. Three, you're probably going to have to receive a ball, hit a ball, dribble. If you can go through those things that you know are guaranteed to happen and visualize the best case scenario of those situations, you will be prepared. So I would start with those five key things, five things I knew were going to happen. So I would have those five. I would sit, I would really shut my eyes and just visualize those five key things happening the best that they could. So dribbling, passing, whatever it may be for your sport, those five things that you can't compete in a game without. Then I would choose three things that were kind of up in the air. For example, me potentially having a shot on goal me potentially getting taken out with a card, me potentially moving positions and playing a different spot that I've played in, something that could happen but is probably unlikely, and I would go through those key things as well. So if that happens, what will that look like? If that happens, what will I be doing? What will I be feeling? What will I be seeing? Going through those visualization tools, and then once you get on the field, you know, okay, I'm confident that these five things are going to happen and I've already worked through what they're going to look like, how I want them to happen. And then in my back pocket, I have those worst case scenario moments that I've also already prepared for. So if you can sit and have those conversations with yourself, whether that's the night before a game, the night after a game, even if you go through afterwards or 10 minutes before a game, when you're in the locker room, just thinking through those things can help you prep because I used to think like there's nothing you can do to prepare for a game and what's going to happen during a game, but that's not true. Like, you know, some guaranteed things that are going to happen. So go through those things. Think of the best case scenario. Think of what you would want yourself to do. And you'll see those moments happening for yourself on the field as a result. I love the exercise. And the only thing I want to add is a potential additional step that might help people who either aren't really good at just daydreaming in a more like free for all sense or visualizing in a more scientific sense. Like you had just walked us through one exercise that I do that helps me visualize better. So it's, it's kind of like a compliment complimentary thing. I whiteboard. So I have a whiteboard or I have it like up on my wall here in my office, like 
all right, what's, what's my goal? What's my outcome that I'm looking for? Whiteboards are really great because you can erase things pretty easily. You can kind of like update things as they evolve or change or whatever it is. And it's not so much like set in stone and maybe not as like out in the air as visualization can feel for some people. Um, but I feel at least when I put it on the whiteboard, I end up daydreaming. I end up visualizing, you know, both of those things I think are good. Like the daydreams are usually like more of the romantic, like idealistic scenarios, whereas the visualization kind of like the exercise that you had just walked me through is much more specific, much more scientific behind it and saying like, okay, maybe this, this is the process of how I'm going to achieve this goal that I have. So if you're kind of like eh, visualization, I don't know how to do it. This might be something to look into whiteboarding vision boards. There's all these ideas out there these days, but I think something along those lines might be a, a really good compliment to all of that. With that being said, my drill, I guess, this is not really an exercise. This is a drill that I teach to a lot of people is, so <laughs> I borrowed this from the band, the Eagles, which uh, laugh right now, one of the most dysfunctional bands in all of rock and roll history. And they had this really cool method, though, before concerts. So before going out live and playing in front of people where they came into what they called the circle of fear. It was called the circle of fear because of that dysfunction in their band. And um, I've taken it to evolve and say, all right, in a sports context, before a game, there's usually some butterflies, right? And those butterflies, a lot of times come from a unclear understanding of what your role responsibility is in this upcoming event. So like your individual responsibility, Nat Natalie, whether you're a starter or you're the last person off the bench in a lot of scenarios, what ends up putting pressure on people is just them not being clear on what they're supposed to do to contribute to the success of this game, for example. And so before a game, most often teams get together and they huddle. And a lot of times there's like nothing to the huddle. It's just like kind of a couple hype words and things like that. And you leave and some people feel good. Other people are still uneasy. And so for me, when you enter, it is a circle of fear. When you get into a huddle before a game, it's a circle of fear. There are doubts, there are concerns. And this drill is designed so that when you leave that huddle, it is a circle of trust. And so it takes a little longer than like your normal huddle that you do like 30 seconds before a game and get everybody pumped up. So maybe you got to do this like five minutes before a game, but the practice is you get everybody into that huddle. You have your captain, your leader, your group of leaders, whatever it is, they're in the middle of this huddle. And each person has to go through, including the people in the middle, and shout out what their role responsibility is in the upcoming event, and in this case, a game. And if they don't know, this is the opportunity where we get the clarity. So that by the time you break that huddle, not only is it a circle of trust, but everybody is clear on what their responsibility is in the upcoming game. And so it's a, it's a preparation drill, it's a communication drill, and it is an accountability drill all those things into one. And we've talked so much about how preparation is like one of the key aspects to becoming a master of performing under pressure. And I think this is an awesome exercise. I've seen a couple of teams do it with really great success. And 
you know, if you get bigger teams, it can obviously like, you're not going to get a whole football team, all 80 people together. But if you have a team, 15, 20 people, and you're just, what's your main responsibility in this game? And you're, I mean, this is, by the time you start this drill, like say you start at the first game of the season, and it doesn't go well by the end of the season, it should be something that is super easy for you to do because your in-between game preparation will become better because nobody wants to end up going to that circle and being like, I don't know what my responsibility is, even if you're the last player off the bench. And so um, that is my drill, my recommendation to, um, to coaches or to players, whoever wants to take the lead on this. Um, I think it's a really great drill, super effective, and um, you know, really can help become a master of performing under pressure when you are very clear on what your responsibilities are. Yes, I love that. And I think too, it kind of helps athletes know that no matter what role they have on the team, they still do have a responsibility. And I think yes. that can be helpful to know that even if you're the last off the bench, or even if you're starting, all of us are feeling pressure. What that pressure looks like may be a little bit different, but everyone sure. has a responsibility that has pressure alongside it. So I think that's great. And yeah. We're moving along to the final segment, which is crazy. Um, but we just want to do some thank yous. Um, thank you to the coaches who gave us these wonderful responses that we were able to work from. Thank you so much to the student athletes as well. Thank you to all of our listeners. I think this was such an exciting podcast to take part in. And thank you to Colin as well for giving me this opportunity. But I'm super happy with how it went. I hope you guys enjoy it and get something out of it, whether that's big or small, but this has been incredible. And I appreciate each and every one of you who've helped to make this happen. And I echo all those thank yous and seriously, thank you to Natalie, because without you, this doesn't happen. And so you, you were the key to all of this happening, everyone getting the opportunity to hear all of this. And I hope you had a good time and enjoyed yourself. Um, but I know, people will get a lot of value out of this. So um, it was really fun for me. Really great to get to know you a little bit more and uh, just really appreciative of all the time that you put in into this as well. Absolutely. And I think too, like if you ever find yourself struggling again, come back to these podcasts, remind yourself of things you can do, things you can talk about, things you can think about. And if you ever need anything, I mean, Colin can probably put my email or my phone number in the notes because I would love to have these conversations with you, whether you're just a human being trying to get better at performing under pressure, an athlete, a coach, but it'd be great if any of you wanted to reach out, I would be more than willing to have those conversations with you. Yeah, for sure. We'll put emails in the show notes for anyone who wants to reach out, extend conversations based off of this, please do reach out. But that is pretty much it, Natalie. So unless you have one last minute thing you want to leave us with, we're going to sign off here. I'm all good. Just remember pressure is a good thing. Challenge the stereotype. You, you got it. <laughs>